Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Third and Nerd. This is your boy, Josh Webb, coming to you with a special guest. You may know him on Twitter as QB Class, spelled with a K, uh, but I know him as Derek Klassen, writer for uh, Setting Edge, writer for Two QBs, writer for NFL 1000, uh, done about a billion things, still doing about a billion things, but uh, we're here to talk quarterbacks. So how are you today, Derek? I'm doing really good, man. excited to talk about some of these college guys. I haven't really done... Uh, too much content on, on these guys this summer, so it's kind of kind of a nice change of pace to get into it. Yeah. So, okay, I want to start with last year and Sam Darnold. There's this looming discussion that that Max Brown and Sam Darnold. Well, this is sort of from last year, but Max Brown and Sam Darnold enter into the year at about. If, if you believe the analysts, at about the same level. Um, for whatever reason, Clay Helton decides to go with Max Brown, and that proves to be just a, a bad decision. Enter Sam Darnold for Utah, doesn't get the first win, but then rattles off a nine-game winning streak, including uh, the ever-impressive Rose Bowl, which I think, Feel is the game that people are latching onto to project him for this year. But I want to start with what you saw out of Darnold before the Rose Bowl, and then we'll get to the game that sort of defined him. I think that's a good way to split it up. Uh, the way I saw Darnold was I think he's a guy who – I think he's getting overhyped a little bit, but I don't want people to like freak out. I think he's he's really, really good, especially for 19 years old. I mean, for a guy to come into a Power 5 conference team like that, I mean, USC is a huge program, and for him to come in having not actually started the season and then to, like you said, rattle off you know nine wins the way that he did, I think that's extremely impressive. I think the poise that he showed um, throughout the games and like just on certain plays within the pocket I think was pretty impressive. Um, I think – he did a really good job with like really early reads and understanding like, okay, if I have a matchup one-on-one on this curl, I know I can hit it. If I know I have leverage with this slot corner, I know I can hit it. I think he did a really good job with quick hitting stuff like that. Um, I definitely want to see him improve his deep ball a little bit. I think he left some air under too many of his passes. Um, and part of that is his footwork. You know, I think he needs to understand how to set himself up a little bit better in the pocket and do a better job of moving his feet with, his eyes when he reads the field, because I think, you know, we saw some times last season where his eyes are moving one way, but his feet are kind of, you know, not really following him. And I think that leads to some poor throws. Um, but generally, I think, you know, he did a really good job for a freshman. Um, I want to see him improve, but I, you know, like I said, I think he's a guy who I could totally see being a first round quarterback. And uh, one of the things that just came out this week is that Sam Darnold said during the offseason he did a lot of core work to enable him to get that that little extra um to muscle the ball down the field a little bit more. Um, so I, I think your criticisms of his deep ball are obviously warranted and something that Sam Darnold himself felt he needed to work on. I mean, why else would you put that much time into your core system, right? Exactly. I mean, and you always want to see guys, like, understand where their problems are and and how to work on it. And so 
um, for him to even notice something like that and understand like how to work on it and what he needs to do, I think that's pretty impressive for a young guy. All right, so now let's talk about the Rose Bowl because the Rose Bowl seems to be where the Darnold hype train officially left the station. It's not that the kid didn't have hype coming into the Rose Bowl. He certainly did. But anytime you get a New Year's Six Bowl game, especially the Rose Bowl, which is sort of the most visually impressive of all the bowls to watch for some reason. I have no idea what they do, but it, the grass just looks greener at the Rose Bowl when they film it. And that was a hell of a game. It was basically college football's equivalent to uh, the Super Bowl, if you will. A huge lead by Penn State, a 21-point lead blown, and USC comes back. Now, one of the throws – well, actually, let me just first stop there and say, what did you see out of Sam Darnold in the Rose Bowl that you liked and that you didn't like? I mean, that game was incredible. Like, I, I, I really don't think that um, anyone, let alone a kid that was 19 years old, hadn't even started the season. I don't really think you could have asked much more of him in that game. Like you said, they went down early. Um, he wasn't playing so well early on. I think um, he needed to clean up some stuff. But they got into that hole, and he dug him right out of it. I think you see – that's what you want to see from the quarterback, is you want to see a guy who can dig himself out of holes like that. And a handful of really good throws in that game. There's one particularly where I think he throws a touchdown – sort of down um, the hash toward the back of the end zone where he just rifles it, like, right over a defender. I mean, throws like that, it doesn't really matter what the setting is. That's just an incredible throw. What I will say about the Rose Bowl performance is that I think every year we get a bowl game or two where a quarterback gets hyped up because he played so well in the bowl game. And obviously I'm not saying Darnold didn't play well, but I think we saw this with uh, Taj Boyd um, in 20, I think, 12. Um, when he had played against LSU. And so I think every year we always get a guy who gets a little, maybe a little more hype than he deserves. Um, I'm not saying Darnold is Boyd. Darnold is a lot better than Todd was. But I do think that that performance, given the spotlight, given how many people were watching it, I do think it boosted him a little bit. Um, now we just got to see if he can live up to it. And I think he has enough tools to do it. Now, there's one throw in that Rose Bowl that I harp on, and I was going on on, on Twitter about a couple days ago, and that was – I believe it was Deontay Burnett that he ended up hitting, but it was damn near a triple coverage throw where he just happened to catch Burnett at the very back of the end zone. And to his credit, the ball floated perfectly. I mean, you can't ask much more of a ball, but the throw itself to me was one of those, okay, it worked out, but just like a two-point conversion – it's one of those things that it's great if it works, and it's a boneheaded mistake if that thing gets intercepted. Absolutely. But, I mean, I have a hard time uh, penalizing him for that because, one, I think a little bit that's kind of his play style. I think he has a little bit of, you know, the, like, Winston in him where he's kind of just going to gunsling like that, and I think yep. that's why he had about an interception per game when he was starting. Um I I mean if a guy if that's his play style that's his play style um, I think it works out for him a lot more than it doesn't I think we've seen him make a handful of really tight window throws like that one um, so I think you just want to see him get better at it and maybe clean up some of the mistakes um, with those type of throws like there's one against Washington where he really tries to force a pass from going to his left that's just an egregious error that he can't make um, but with the one you know that Penn State one that you're talking about 
I think if he can really develop confidence and know exactly which of those throws that he can make, I think that's an excellent trait to have. And if he can refine it, that's that's really, really good. The one thing that I was looking at was Sam Darnold, and I, could, I couldn't agree with you more. I was, I was doing this on another podcast, and I said, to, to me, Sam Darnold reminds me of three different quarterbacks. He's sort of a combination of Drew Brees and Tom Brady in the way that he distributes the ball. Unlike other UFC quarterbacks of the past who locked on to guys like Juju Smith-Schuster or Marquise Lee or whatever the case may be, offenses tended to be more single read or just get it out on the first throw to, to, to the primary target. That's not really what Sam Darnold does. Sam Darnold spreads the ball all over the field. He's not afraid to hit everyone from the primary to the tertiary guy. He'll hit the tight ends. He'll hit the running backs. But he's also got that Brett Favre gunslinger mentality in him. And I said on this other podcast, I'm like, you're never going to shake that out of a guy. If a guy has a gunslinger mentality – you're not going to get it out of him, nor do you really want to. You want him to have that confidence to make some of those throws. But at the same time, you do want to clean up the areas in which he's making, you know, we call them dumb mistakes, but really what it comes down to is just technical errors, right? Exactly. I mean, like I said, if that's his play style, that's totally fine. I think he just needs to refine it and, and, try to make it as functional as possible. You know, I think there are plenty of guys that make that work. You know, we talked about Winston before. Uh, I think Carson Palmer is kind of like that. Eli Manning's had a decent career. Like you said, Brett Favre. I mean, there's plenty of guys who can get really aggressive and be good with it. And I do think Darnold could be that guy. I think what, what I would say about the way that Darnold distributes the ball is um, I want to see him bridge a gap next year because I think he's really good in the quick game and, and making, you know, quick one to two reads. Um, on like, you know, a double slant or, you know, a slant flat or something like that. I think he's excellent there at picking out matchups. And I also think he's a really good playmaker. When plays break down, he's so good at being able to scramble and find a guy late in the play. But I want to kind of see him bridge the gap between standing in the pocket, making uh, really concerted efforts not to move out of the pocket, but to make moves in the pocket and maybe get to some backside reads. Um, I would like to see USC ask a little bit more of him in that sense and for him to perform in that. And maybe that's just not his style. You know, Mitch Trubisky was um, kind of a guy who was a really quick hitter and then also a, a scrambler type. And maybe Darnold's just that type of player, and that's okay because he can also make that work. So I want to see if maybe they're going to test him with some more intermediate, late-developing stuff. Um, but if they don't and he just continues to be good at what he's good at, I think that's totally fine as well. So – you talked a little bit about what you want to see out of him in 2017. Now, the trick for USC is that they don't have a bye. They'll open up their schedule with Western Michigan. Then they'll play uh, Texas. Then they get Utah State, and then they get Stanford. I look at that quarter of games, and I say it is not unreasonable that USC could come out of that 2-2 two and two if they're not careful, just given their previous history with Stanford. And I always like to caution people against doubting what Tom Herman can do in his first year, especially given the fact that he got himself a transfer quarterback that fits his system. How well he'll work out, we will we'll find out, but – Judging by Tom Herman's track record, this isn't a guy that takes a whole hell of a lot of time to get going. And Texas has some players. So 
you look at that first quarter of schedules and you see all the different types of defenses that he's going to play, what in the early going is most important for Darnold to have success at the back end? Um, well, with those early games, I mean, you're totally right about Herman. Herman's the guy who's going to get that program going immediately. And I think Charlie Strong, he had really developed and brought in a lot of talent. It's, I think he needed one or two more years to really make that program work. And the program just wasn't willing to give it to him. For them to go to Herman with talent that Strong brought in, um, I think that's going to be And he has a totally good team that gives people by surprise. Stanford, and obviously they're always going to give UC trouble. Stanford's always been a good program. I know they're losing McCaffrey and guys like Solomon Thomas, but that's always a program that is going to load up, and I really have a hard time seeing them kind of being a mediocre team. So, Arnold's, I mean, he's going to have he's going to have to avoid these teams at Stanford because Stanford's a very sound team. Um, what I remember about Stanford's defense is if you look back at the way they played Jared Goff in, I believe, 2015, um, they knew exactly how to play against his strengths. And so what they did was they took away, like, the middle parts of the field, and they really clogged it up with a lot of cover three reads and said, we're going to let you throw to the flat. Let's see if you can beat us and throw tight windows down the field. And he couldn't. And so I think Stanford's going to do a really good job of, of knowing how to play Darnold and knowing what to give him and knowing how to make him beat them. And it's going to really be on him to show that he can – he can keep scoring points. Now, Stanford's probably not going to score a ton of points, so he might not have to be that great. Um, but I think, like you said, that early stretch of games, I think it's going to be a tough one. I do think they'll beat Western Michigan, though. I think without Fleck, and they lost a lot of senior talent, I think they'll be okay there. Yeah, I think that game will be okay, and the Utah State game should be okay. But I look at that Stanford team, and they've kind of got their own Sam Darnold and Keller Christ, who came on at the back end of those six games and, and went undefeated, going 6-0 and for Stanford after they made the move from Ryan Burns. And that doesn't even count the fact that they have K.J. Costello, who was a, a quarterback that USC recruited uh, and, and ultimately knew they were going to lose out to Stanford. So they have immense quarterback talent going on as well. And like you said, we know they lost Solomon Thomas, but Stanford's defense is just something that seems to replenish itself. Uh, I have no idea how Stanford recruits the way that they recruit. So if you're looking at USC's schedule defensively, which games jump out to you as you looked at Stanford's defense and, and, and gave us a little bit uh, of, of how they were able to take the way, uh, game away from golf. What other defenses do you see on USC's schedule that could take it to Darnold and force him to beat them? Uh, Utah's going to be one. Uh, Utah, they always have a really nasty defense. Um, up front, they're always really good. You know, right now they have Lowell Latolale. Um, they have a lot of guys up front who are just going to really – they're going to punish Darnold um, if he holds the ball at all. You know, they're going to really force him to make some mistakes late in plays or they're going to get him and not really let him work out of the pocket maybe the way that he likes to. So I think that's going to be a really tough defensive game. Other than that, I'm not seeing anything that's going to be too – I think UCLA should have enough on defense that's going to at least make it a decent battle with Darnold, but I don't think that they're um, any sort of powerhouse. Um, but you look at a lot of this, the rest of the schedule, I don't think Notre Dame's defense is going to be scary. 
Arizona State, I'm not too worried about. Arizona, I'm not too worried about. And with Colorado, they just lost basically their entire secondary, except for, um, I believe his name, his last name's Oliver, who is a pretty good uh, young guy. I think he's a junior this year. Um, so I guess Darnold's going to have to avoid him when they play Colorado. But other than that, um, I really don't see too many tough defenses for Darnold. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how he can get through the schedule and if he can get through it relatively unscathed, which I think he should be able to. My big concern is the lack of a buy. And the reason that I say that is because more than the NFL, I feel like not not to throw Josh Rosen under the bus because I actually agree with him that football and college do not go together. I, I really honestly don't believe that they do. Um, but you 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 sort of look at the the reasons that Josh Dar, uh, Josh Rosen said what he said. You read the article. You look at all the explanations, and you in in. The takeaway out of that is that college kids need that time to decompress because these guys that are doing, you know, two-a-days, getting up in the morning, going to practice, then going through several hours of school only to practice again, then, you know, that doesn't count time putting games on in the weight room. That doesn't count time going through film study. There's just so many moments throughout a college season where I feel like having that buy, even if it's at the middle of the season, at the beginning of the season, wherever, just having that buy for people to take it off, decompress, get their mind off of football is extraordinarily beneficial. Am I overselling the importance of the buy in college or is that going to be a problem for SC? No, I think that makes perfect sense, especially given how young Darnold is. You know, I think he's only 20 years old. If he was maybe a redshirt senior, you know, going into his age 22, 23 season, I think by then, you know, he would have a, a great schedule down and be so experienced that it might not matter so much. Uh, but being as young as Darnold is, I could, I could see, you know, the constant grind of things just kind of building up and all of a sudden he just has a dud of a game versus, you know, Arizona or something random. Um, not necessarily like a super indictment of him, but like you said, I mean, with stuff piling up like that, um, with everything he's got on his plate, trying to be a 20-year-old, uh, you know, commander of a top-flight program like USC, that could build up. And it's going to be interesting to see if he can avoid a dud of a game like that um, and not let this stuff build up on him. I think that would be really impressive if he could do that. And USC has a track record of those duds a game. Ask Mark Sanchez about his dud of a game against Oregon State when USC. I still think that USC in 2008 was uh, – they should have played Florida for the national championship. That 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 will bug me from now until the time the cows come home, especially because USC lost earlier than Florida did, and Florida lost at home. I don't get that one, but whatever. Uh, Don't trash my gators now. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know what? I really honestly would have liked to have seen that because Florida ended up playing Ohio State, didn't they? Yep. Yeah. See, Ohio State's the team that shouldn't have been in there, in my opinion. I think it should have been Florida and USC. And everyone that I've ever talked to in 2008, a college football enthusiast, has said, in my opinion, it should have been Florida and USC. And I think if we'd had the playoff back then, 
we would have gotten Florida and USC. And that would have been one of college football's all-time great games. I really, truly believe that. Tebow versus Sanchez, we, we just – we didn't get that. And I, I feel disappointed. But you bring up the point of presumptive QB number one, and you've talked a lot about that on Twitter. Before we get into whether or not Darnold can be presumptive QB number one, first – Let's see how how do you define the presumptive QB number one? What qualities, what traits, what goes into being the guy? Um, I mean, to be honest, I think a lot of it is just perception toward the end of the season. I mean, this happened with, like, it was like I was talking about with the bowl game. I think for him to have such an incredible performance in the Rose Bowl, um, and just his his play style of being like a playmaker and having all these flashy plays. Um, and then I think he put up plenty of good numbers throughout the year. And for all those things to come together, it makes it really easy for to, you know, sell him as the guy like, oh, yeah, he's going to keep getting better. You know, here he makes all these plays. He had a great performance in a big spotlight. I think it's really, really easy to sell him. I mean, obviously, with a year before the draft, you're – kind of projecting these guys to get a little bit better and I think that Darnold has um, shown that he has enough tools to get better and and be a better player um, but I think that being the presumptive number one is just a lot of speculation and mostly who has the the flashiest and pretty prettiest resume not necessarily who has the best traits heading into the year and I'm not saying Darnold can't be the number one quarterback um, but I think it's definitely too early for him to be the lock to be the number one guy or anything like that. Yeah, what, as you look across the landscape, and you've done this, now I know that you're really high on Lamar Jackson, and I've got nothing against Lamar Jackson, but let's say Lamar Jackson and Sam Darnold have impressive years. I'm not going to put a cap on it. I won't say a national title. Let's just say they both lose two games, but they have their close games both guys play well in those games. They just maybe come up a little short. How do you compare a guy like Lamar Jackson to, say, a guy like Sam Donald? Well, it's interesting because, really, their skill sets are entirely different, and I think what they need to work on is entirely different. I think right now, Donald is a guy who's going to be more complete in the short game. Um, I think he's honestly a little bit better – creating plays on the move. I think Lamar Jackson is obviously a better athlete and he can throw on the move, but in terms of vision when the play breaks down, I honestly think Darnold is a little bit better there. Um, I think Darnold is a little bit more reckless than Lamar Jackson is right now in terms of throwing passes into into coverage and stuff like that. But in, And like we said before, I think that's just his play style and that's totally fine. Um, and what, you know, what Darnold needs to work on is I want to see him work the field a little bit better. I want to see his movement in the pocket be a little bit better and stuff like that. With Jackson, honestly, I think he's the smartest or the second smartest quarterback in the class right now. I think Mason Rudolph of Oklahoma State has really mastered his system. He's shown he's really smart. And I would also say Josh Rosen is, is, is a really smart guy at UCLA. But I think Jim, Lamar Jackson is getting really underrated in terms of how well he can read the field, how well he understands where to throw on third down, how to beat blitzes, where his checkdowns are. I think he's super underrated in that aspect. But I think we all know with his low completion completion percentage, completion percentage can be a farce, but he really does have some issues with accuracy. I think he needs to clean up his footwork and his mechanics. Um, but, I mean, Lamar Jackson, when you look at his physical skill set, his arm, his legs, 
what he's already shown, you know, how well he can improve in his system. I think he's a really enticing guy. I think both have the tools right now that they could be the number one. Um, but assuming they both progress the way that we hope they will, I think Darnold's going to go um, before Jackson does. Now, is there anybody that you think could leapfrog Darnold in the event that he had – I'm still saying he has a good year. But is there a quarterback out there that you think – because this comes down to, and I and I think you and I both know this, having done some coverage on the Rams, that it can come down to luck when it when it when when it comes down to who's going to take you. If if you know, like a guy like Les Snead and, and Jeff Fisher just fall in love with a, a quarterback like Jared Goff regardless of what the consensus opinion may or may not be, even if there is a consensus opinion, more oftentimes there's not, there can be a surprise where a guy goes ahead of another guy. Is there a situation where you think a guy like Mason Rudolph or a guy like Lamar Jackson or somebody else that I've not mentioned could pass up Donald in terms of the eyes of the scouts? Um, I mean, assuming everything kind of goes the way that everybody is hoping, I think it's going to be a three-quarterback race between Darnold, Jackson, and Rosen. Um, now, Rosen's tricky because, you know, he only played, I think, five games. UCLA didn't really play super great. Their offense was a disaster. Um, it was a new system for them. Their offensive line was horrible. They couldn't run the ball. So it was kind of hard to evaluate Rosen. But if you look back at his freshman year, it was about as good as you could hope for a freshman. And then last year, I think he had some bad moments, but he still showed a lot of the things that you really wanted to see from a good quarterback in terms of arm strength, uh, understanding his new system. I think he did a decent job of that. Um, so I think Rosen, if he can get back on his feet, I think he's the other guy that could really push in this class and, and be a guy that could be the number one pick. Yeah, I kind of felt like Texas A&M getting their hands on Mazzoni and what they thought was some great coup. Like, like you haven't talked to UCLA fans, have you? <laughs> they couldn't be more happy to see Mazzoni gone. Now, I'm curious. I couldn't Jed, stand Mazzoni. Yeah, I'm curious to see how Jed Fish fits into everything. Like, he doesn't strike me as a great college offensive mind, but, you know, whatever. I, it does. If 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 UCLA are going back to what worked for them when they and USC were at the top of the heap, when you had Maurice Jones-Drew just pounding the ball for UCLA, and they truthfully had pro-style quarterbacks, or at least guys that got drafted, then that, I think, favors Rosen more than some of these spread systems. He's too good with the ball in his hands. He's too good at making decisions. He's way too good at fitting balls into windows that have – I mean, there was a throw his first year. I can't remember who it was against. I want to say Baylor or Texas A&M. But he just dropped a ball into a window that it, it – it, he dropped it, floated it right over the, the, the cover safety. The cornerback was – was in perfect position, but the ball was just thrown so damn well that it just landed, dropped right into the receiver's hands. And it just goes to show what a guy like Josh Rosen could do. He's the guy that I think is the biggest competition for Darnold because coming out of high school, Rosen was seen as 
and I hate this phrase for guys coming out of high school, the most pro-ready quarterback that they had. So when I see the discrepancies between their style of play and I look at the NFL, it feels like Rosen and Darnold could be a Winston and Mariota type deal. Am I, am I way far off base on that one? Like a pick your poison of which style you choose? Um, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think Rosen is, well, I mean, I don't think that stylistically they're similar to Winston and Mariota entirely like that, that totally vast differentiation, but I do definitely think you're going to get different things from them. Um, and I, I think I could see them being like a, a number one, number two type thing like that. I don't think either is as good as Mariota and Winston. I think Winston and Mariota is as good as a number one, number two combo that we're ever going to see. Um, but I think that they could be guys who, you know, both challenge for top five picks and could be, you know, get comparisons to that sort of battle. I could see that. Okay, yeah, and more what I meant was just that pick your poison. Do you want the guy in there who's a complete drop-back passer? He is athletic, but he's going to make his bones dissecting people in the pocket. Or do you want the guy, Mariota, who can improvise, make plays, is is every bit the passer, but just does it in a different way? I agree with you. I love Marcus Mariota. I loved him in college. I love him now. He's just a fun quarterback to watch, and I sincerely hope that he stays healthy and, and just has a remarkable pro career. But, yeah, I was kind of referring to that pick-your-poison more than than are these guys stylistically comparable. So a couple last things here, and we'll let you go. What does Darnold have to do to lock up being, should he choose to come out, because USC also has a history of guys saying, I'm coming back, which really I don't. I don't know, man. I feel like Mark Sanchez should have come back, and I feel like Matt Barkley should have left. But I don't know how that would have worked out for either guy. Uh, so what does Darnold have to do to be that presumptive QB1? Does he just have to have a good year? Is that like the bare minimum for him? Um, I mean, I think if he does exactly what he does last year, I don't think he would be the surefire number one, but I think it would still put him in into first-round talks. I think if we see him – show some more controlled footwork and more, you know, concentrated efforts to stay within the pocket. I think that would be really nice. I think if we can see him drive on the deep ball better and maybe improve his velocity, I think that would be nice. Um, and I think, like I said, if we can see him maybe be a little bit more complete of a passer and then do some more, um, you know, late developing intermediate and deep throws, um, I think that would also be nice to see. If not, like I said, he could be a guy like Trubisky where, the short game and, and improvising is kind of just who he is, and that's totally fine. Um, I, I, I just mostly want to see Darnold clean up some things. I don't think he has too many, like, glaring errors. I think it's just a lot of little things that I want to see him work on. That's fair. And I'm just going to circle back to this just because I remember last year you were like, ugh. You could not stop having fun with the fact that people were actually talking about Trubisky as the presumptive number one. You're like, really? We're we're actually talking about this? And there's nothing wrong with that opinion because there's no way in hell he should have been and wasn't the number one overall pick. But 
there are going to be some USC fans who, when they hear Sam <clears throat> Darnold mentioned in the same breath as Mitch Trubisky, it's going to make them cringe just slightly. But if I may, what I think you're saying is that the style of Trubisky's game in that short to intermediate uh, sense is, is really where he excels the best. Whereas you have other guys that are more capable of pushing the ball down the field, he himself is not a carbon copy of Mitch Trubisky. Exactly. I think you just see, I think, you know, when you construct your offense around both those guys, it's going to look very similar. I think it's going to be a lot of quick hitting stuff down low. Um, I think it's going to be when you're attacking the intermediate, I think you're going to want to do crossers and rollouts. Um, I don't think you're designing too many like straight deep shots and trying to to really generate explosive plays. I think with those two, you're really just kind of trying to chip away at the defense and bet on them being fairly accurate in the short game. I think both of them are. And then when pressure comes, you know, being able to use their legs and kind of create and make some some wonky plays when defenses aren't really expecting it. I think and I think both of those guys can do that. Um I could see myself grading Arnold better than I did Trubisky. Um I could see him grading about the same. To be honest, I had like a late first on Trubisky. I thought he wasn't a surefire guy, but I think that I thought he was a guy who could turn into a good starter, and um, I could totally see that happening for Darnold as well. All right, so um, the last couple of things I want to ask you is how do you see Darnold doing this year? What what would be your prediction looking at the schedule, taking into account the buys, the defenses, and just like we talked about earlier, this idea of – everything piling up on a quarterback such that they deliver a dud of a game, which USC is seriously known to do. Well, I think what's, what's good for him is that they they should have a really good run game. I think Ronald Jones is a really good uh, running back. So if they need to, they can lean on the run game and that should help him, especially um, not with just taking the ball out of his hands, but also creating a play action game. Um, so I think that'll help. I want to see how he's going to adjust to a lot of the new receivers because it's my understanding that USC lost a lot of their top guys. So for him to adjust to that, I think to see any um, young quarterback adjust to that and see how they handle it is going to be interesting. You know, Deshaun Kaiser from 2015 to 2016 lost a ton of receiver talent, and you could see not necessarily bad plays that were his fault, but just some communication errors and, and weird drops by young receivers. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Darnold handles that. Um, but overall, I mean, I think he's going to play fine. I think we know he's really poised. I know he's already fairly accurate to most areas of the field. Um, I think we know he's going to make some really good plays when defenses are, are really bearing down on him and his offensive line breaks down. So overall, I think he's going to be good. I think he's plenty talented to easily handle most of the defenses that are going to be on his schedule. And then you just want to see him be resilient against the defenses that are going to give him a hard time. Yeah, you're right that he did lose, uh, obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster, who had a ridiculous amount of production while he was at USC. Uh, but one of the things he does get is a guy in Michael Pittman Jr., who may be familiar with his father, Michael Pittman. But Michael Pittman Jr. came into USC looking like a grown-ass man, and he cut his chops on special teams last year as a gunner and did a remarkable job. Uh, at 
six four over two hundred and thirty pounds, I full on expect Michael Pitt and 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 under four or five speed. I full on expect Pittman to be one of the premier guys for USC this year. The one good thing about SC in terms of receiver production is that whenever they lose a guy, they've been able to replace him. You know, you lose Robert Woods, you gain Marquise Lee. You lose Marquise Lee, you get Juju Smith-Schuster. It seems like each receiver going up the rung is a little bit better than the last one in terms of of what they offer. So hopefully USC uh, are able to produce an outside receiver, but Darnold will be very fortunate in the fact that the vast majority of the interior production, the tight ends and his slot receivers, Deontay Burnett and Jalen Green and the like, those guys are back and are hungry, and a lot of yards came over the middle from those guys at slants, like you mentioned. Um, so the last question I am going to ask you is kind of twofold. What do you think Sam Darnold's college resume will end up being, and in in a twist, where – do you think he'll actually end up going in the draft? This is that pointless prediction that I am not going to hold you to because it is way too damn early. So let's call it the way too damn early and pointless prediction segment. All right. Well, my way too damn early and pointless prediction uh, for Darnold's career is I think he could be a guy who pushes for a Heisman, Um, especially, I mean, if he can make a lot of these younger receivers uh, look really productive and make that offense, you know, on the way even better than he did last year, I think that could give him a Heisman push. Um, I have a hard time seeing USC being like a playoff team. I think that they're going to run into some problems at um, their conference game, and I could, like you said, with the bye weeks, I mean, maybe they just flip a game. Um, So I don't know if Darnold's going to be, you know, like Deshaun Watson, where he has every award and plaque that you could possibly want from a quarterback, but I think that's totally fine that he, if he doesn't have it, um, I mean, most guys don't and turn into really fine quarterbacks, so if he doesn't, it's whatever. Um, in terms of where he's going to get drafted, I mean, like we've talked about, if things develop the way that they should, it's pretty hard to see him not being a top 10 pick. I mean, it seems uh, people rally around him really easily. He obviously already has some good film. If he can keep building on that good film, I think he's, he's probably a lot to be a team that guys really fall for. All right, and our last listener question comes from – Joe Doe, who is Joey V43 on Twitter, and I feel like this, I'm, I'm not sure if this is realistic, but he does seem to be an Oregon or Eagles. Nope, he's a Canes fan. So, will he be better than Vernon Adams? Well, he damn well better be. Uh, <laughs> I know who this guy is. I think I have him blocked or muted. Uh, <laughs> because Eagles fans don't really like that I don't like Carson Wentz. Um, but I don't know. He he damn well be better than Adams. That's a miss for me. That's fine. Uh, he Darnold better not end up in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? You know what though? You're not the only person who thought that Vernon Adams was going to be a hit at Oregon. It seemed like a match made in heaven, though. The way that it got off and the way that, that that he almost, in a soccer sense, pushed for his release, like and the way that Oregon kind of got involved almost could be accused of tapping up in a sense. Like, eh, it, 
I don't know. That whole situation went so many different ways of, of, of sour that I don't think anybody can be blamed for it. But, yeah, hopefully he will be better than, than Vernon Adams. And I apologize. I did not know that guy blocked you. I don't even know how he saw the tweet. No, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's totally fine. Uh, I'm good having some jokes uh, at my own expense. I deserve it. Hey, you know what? You, I picked Cal to beat USC last year because I figured 15 in a row was just too many. Like, they had to lose at some point. So I went with the whole statistically invalid their due argument. Uh, but, yeah. It, it, you can't bet on take, Davis Webb, man. You know what, though? <laughs> it, it just came down to I expected USC to have a dud. And I thought maybe just maybe Cal could be that team to just throw up enough points that they they made it difficult for USC. I don't know why I thought that. It was a dumb pick, but that's what old takes exposed is there for, right? To point out how bad we are. Exactly. Um, So before I let you get out of here, I want you to let people know where they can find you on Twitter and if you have anything important upcoming that you'd like to share and let people know about, go for it. Time is yours. Yeah, you guys can find me at QB Class on Twitter, QBKLASS. I work for Bleacher Reports NFL 1000. I work for Awesome Scouting. I write for Setting the Edge, um, the podcast. Um, I do a bunch of other things. If you check my Twitter account, I'm sure you'll find that. Uh, at 2QBs, uh, the website, I'll be doing some like preseason reviews of all the, the rookie quarterbacks, so that's definitely something to check out. Uh, other than that, I think I'm good. And we will see plenty of Sam Darnold threads throughout the year, I am absolutely sure, as you start to go through game film in what will likely be his final season. So if you want to see educated threads with throws and explanations behind those throws as to what went right, what went wrong, what technique needed to be improved on in that area. This is your guy. He's not going to tell you Sam Darnold is bad. He is going to say this throw is bad. Here is why. And then let me show you an example of it done correctly. So I cannot encourage you enough to give Derek a follow he really and truly is a guy that pays attention to every single aspect of the quarterback development game and knows more than I could, which is why I brought him on. And speaking of being wrong, that makes me wrong about the throw. If he says it's an okay throw in the Rose Bowl, I lost. It was an okay throw in the Rose Bowl. So, with that, uh, I, we will get out of here. Um, you can follow Third and Nerd on Twitter by uh, following myself at Fight on Twist. Uh, also do podcasts throughout the season with some one of uh, your NFL 1000 coworkers, Joe Goodberry, who's normally my guy on this. So uh, we will be back with another episode with Joe on this Saturday, I believe. So I want to thank Derek for joining us here on Third and Nerd, and I hope everybody enjoyed this Sam Darnold breakdown. We will catch you guys next time. Take it easy.